0: Oh, hello welcome I am so grateful that you are here today I have a very fun guest with me Jesse Funk who was someone that was introduced to me so I didn't know much of her background but was interested because she had just left and just had announced actually that she had left the Mormon religion a few months ago I learned later that she's a little bit of Mormon celebrity so you may have heard of her and her story is I really enjoyed who she is and what she had to share Before we dive in, again, just a reminder, I have a Leaving Religion course that is launching November 9th. If you are someone that is on your way out of Mormon religion, or you've already left and are struggling, this course I would highly recommend you dive into. It's a 13-week course that will assist you in moving through all the layers that come with leaving religion, and doing so with ease, with grace, and with beauty. Also, my retreat that I'm doing with my beautiful friend Holly Semenoff, coming up Next month, down in Springdale, Utah, and we will be diving into the heart and how to live a more aligned life from the heart space. When our head and hearts are aligned, our world reflects that and we walk through the world in so much more of a beautiful way. Our retreats are truly a life-changing event and something I would highly ma- recommend you go check out. We have a few rooms left. I think we may have one private room left and a few bunk bed options available. Jessie also has a few retreats coming up herself. She works with the youth and with people that are leaving religion as well. You can find more information on her website at especiallyfortruth.com. All of these I will list in the show notes. And without further ado, let's dive into the Zoom conversation that I got to have with the beautiful Jesse Funk. Well, Jesse Funk, thank you so much for joining me today and saying yes to me on my podcast. This is Um, I was trying to remember because it's been a little while since I reached out to you, and you don't—we don't know each other at all. Um, (laughs) But a friend of mine, Melanie, um, had—I don't know if you know Melanie Ewing. You guys are friends on social media.
1: Yeah, she's darling. I love her.
0: Yeah, she's like you have to interview Jesse. So then I reached out, and and here we are. And I am so thank you, thank you for saying yes, and thanks for being here.
1: Yeah. You're so welcome. I'm way excited. And thanks for the work that you do. I know doing a podcast is not easy. So kudos.
0: You you know, I think when we do things that are actually somewhat, they're passionate we feel like a big yes, and they are easy. So I really enjoy this and I love connecting with people and hearing their stories. Mm Um, so yeah, thank you. You're welcome. So what is your, what is your Mormon story? Are you, you're here in Utah, right? I am. I live in Davis County. Were you born and raised in
1: Utah? Yes, I grew up in Provo. Um, had a wonderful childhood. Um, yeah, pretty idyllic. Um, I I enjoyed going to church. I have a lot of good memories of of going to church. My there were a lot of good things about my ward family. Um, it really only started, you know, getting negative, or <clears throat> I really only started noticing things uh, from about maybe ten on ish. So. Oh, yeah. So like a really good childhood and I was really close to my family and yeah. So Provo, Utah, Provo girl.
0: (laughs) So at 10, that's a pretty young age to start noticing. What did you start noticing?
1: Um, So like my mom left the church when I was about 10 and she was just shamed. Like the most, you know, the, the actual definition of that word, like, you know, who she was as a person not her choice to leave but who she was people just attacked that and they would say she's so selfish and i actually had people very close to me say she abandoned you she didn't want to be a mother wow i mean just horrible things she's wayward she's she's an apostate she's she's fallen away i mean we just have all these shaming phrases and it's not the choice to leave it's who they are. That's the definition of shame. And so I I noticed that real fast, um, as a kid, and it just broke my heart. And the worst part was I was so desperate to feel connected to my community and to belong because that's a human need that all of us have. Mm -hmm. It's not a luxury. It's, it's oxygen. And, um, I chose my community. I chose the church over my mother. So Mm -hmm. I joined in on the shaming because I thought that that meant my survival if I'm connected to my community, then I'm, I'll be okay. Um, and so my mom felt so ostracized and so just, you know, displaced because her own children had turned against her and her community. So she's the one who moved out when my parents divorced later, um, when I was about 13 or 14 and, um, yeah, she tried to connect. She tried to still stay connected to us, but we were so desperate for that connection with our community that we pushed her away. I'll wow. just myself, I pushed her away and I missed out on a relationship with my mom and now it's really great. And we've been able to come back together now that I've left the church, but it, I lost that relationship with my mother over it. Yeah. So wow. yeah, I mean, all of that stuff I feel really strongly about, um,
0: cause it's so painful. It's just so awful
1: and it happens all the time. It's totally normal. It's actually popular
0: and kind of trendy and totally condoned. What talk to me a little bit more. What do you mean by trendy? What have you noticed?
1: Um, I just feel like it's celebrated to shame other people like our, our prophets, um, on the stand in general conference will say things like lazy learners and lax disciples and they call us unruly children. I mean, they'll say things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you hear a prophet of God shaming someone who has left the church or someone who has questions or doubts, um, it just becomes something that's totally acceptable. And, yeah. and you would even maybe see it as I'm being a good missionary or I'm being a good member of the church by, you know, telling someone to doubt their doubts or t- saying, oh yeah, they're just a lazy learner. Hmm. So the prophets themselves and the leaders themselves yeah. show us that- and teach us how to shame other people. Yeah.
0: And shame in your experience is one of the, in my experience, it's one of the lowest, It like, gets close to death. Yeah. As far as that whole scale of the different emotions, I mean, it, is, it is one of the, if not the lowest right next to death, as far as I, I'm aware. So it's a horrible.
1: Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. It's so painful. It's just painful to be attacked in your your essence as a human being. I mean, it's not just a choice that you make or something you did. It's who you are. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm such a huge fan of Brene Brown and the work that she does on shame because it's so important. And a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, it's no big deal. And I'm like, no, no, no it is <laughs> yes, like, it is. it's, it could be life or death. So yeah. I, I have known kids that have killed themselves. I've known them personally. So that's why I'm kind of a, I'm on a crusade. I am. I love it. <laughs> I have felt it so close to home and it's, it, it has to be called out.
0: Yeah. I love it. Well, and and I want to hear more about that. But moving through kind of your, your path with you had experienced this at quite a young age and going through, how old were you when you decided to step out of Mormonism? And what was the, the catalyst for you to say, okay, I'm done with this?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um, so I really felt like I, I noticed some things really early on. So in the Mormon church, you get baptized into the church when you're eight. So it's this whole ritual of being submersed in water and you know, it's this, this whole baptism thing. And, um, when I was seven, I was getting ready for my baptism. And I remember that I was seven cause I was taking it seriously. I wanted to be a good Mormon. I really did. I, I wanted to be a good girl. And in my mind, being a good girl meant to be a good Mormon. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting in church and my primary leader, one of our, you know, leaders for the kids uh, in primary, I'm trying to make sure that anyone who's not LDS understands what I'm talking about. Um, she said, if you don't get married in a Mormon temple, then you can't be with your spouse forever. So mm-hmm. in Mormonism the the one of the biggest things that sets that religion apart is that you can get married for time and all eternity, not just de- till death do you part. And I remember thinking in that moment, as a seven year old kid, I had an aunt and uncle who were my favorite aunt and uncle, and they weren't ever married in the temple, or weren't ever Mormon, and they were just wonderful. They were so wonderful, such a mm-hmm. great couple. And I remember thinking, they don't get to hang out in heaven? They don't get to say hi to each other? You know, little fist bump <laughs> here and there, like they don't get to say hello? What? I remember thinking that doesn't feel right. Something's weird about that. And now I look back on that and I'm like, okay, I had critical thinking skills. I totally celebrate that now. And so that was like one of the first moments. And so I had a a ton of those all growing up. Um, And so I feel like I always didn't resonate with it. I always was a critical thinker, but I ignored all those feelings, totally ignored them to please my culture and -hmm. to please the men in my life, my dad, my brothers, my future husband. And yeah, and so for so long I just ignored my own like my own thoughts, my own mind. Um and then um so about I wanna say maybe six years into my marriage, um, I told my husband I just had doubts. I just had questions. I didn't even tell him what. And from that moment on he shunned me. I just did not had no interest in really connecting with me. We were like kind of roommates and not even really friends. I would just say basically roommates. Um, so it was horrible, but I stayed in that marriage for another 10 years. Wow. um, Feeling invisible, feeling completely ostracized from my eternal companion, someone that I was supposed to be with forever. And, but I tried to just make it work trying to stay for the kids. And then as my kids got older, they're 16 and 12. Now they started noticing the behavior and they would kind of call him out and be like, why are you treating her like that? Why are you talking to her Mm. like that? And, and I realized I'm not serving them. I'm not serving them. I thought I was. And for a while, I think it was right for me to stay. But um, as you get older, <laughs> you realize if my daughter was ever in a relationship like this, I'd want her to get out. And if my son yeah. ever treated his wife like this unacceptable. So mm-hmm. I finally gave myself permission to just finally honor my own truth, my own mind, my own heart. And I, because I knew the church wasn't true a hundred percent, um, but allowing myself to admit it and live it, that's hard. That is so yeah. painful and so terrifying. And it's still scary, even though I've come out very publicly and, and, um, you know, it's, it's something that I really actually, I want to be a part of the movement now because a lot of people are just outraged over a lot of recent events that I don't know if you'd want to talk about right now. Cause they are, they are so just astoundingly unacceptable. Um, so I want to be part of that now, but it has taken years and years and years to build up the bravery To leave because it's such a powerful culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is very powerful. The brainwashing and the brain, all the programming that goes in is, is it's fascinating on one level when you pop out of the emotions of it just to witness. Um, and on the other, obviously it's a very personal thing. So a lot of times when people leave, they do feel jilted, they feel angry and they, and that was a big part of the reason why I chose to do this podcast was in my experience and with what I do, and you probably experienced the same thing of, when people are stuck in the anger and that this is wrong, um, there's still energy tied into that. And how do we how do we help people to find peace, really ultimately, so that they can live the fullest expression of what they're wanting to do in this life? Yeah. And um, and yeah, there are a lot of things that are wrong in the world in general right now. You know, yes. and it's we could have I'm sure a very long conversation about all the things. Um, but how long has it been since you have now stepped out?
1: Um, actually it's really only been a few months since I oh, wow. publicly came out. I put a post out on Facebook and, and Instagram saying I was no longer a member of the church. So really only a few months.
0: Was that challenging for you?
1: Yes. It was so scary. I wrote it, wanted to cry, had my friend hit post cause oh. it was so terrifying because you know exactly what it means. And I think this goes for a lot of people in any religion or any high demand organization of any kind. when you leave, you know what it means. People will shame you. You will lose some relationships. It's not a question. Like a lot of people will instantly dismiss you, just dismiss you as a human being because you no longer align with something that's important to them. And that's fine. That's fine. Everyone gets to have their truth, but how, how amazing is it to just look at that objectively and say, okay, so these systems are in place. And the system is so powerful that you could put that, the system above a human being Mm -hmm. really like that. That's something that you could do and something that you feel like is acceptable to do. Um, So I think that right there is pretty damning evidence that some of these organizations are so toxic. If you are motivated to put a system above a human and a real relationship, Mm -hmm. that's a toxic system.
0: Yeah, I agree. And um, I mean, I remember what it was to be completely in it. You are inundated. You cannot see the forest for the trees. This is the only true path to God. Oh, yes. yes. Right. So in some aspects, it's like, you know, they're blinded by their faith. They're blinded by the religion because that's all that they, all that they know until they start asking the questions. Yes. And when they start asking the questions, then what happens? Most likely it's where you're at, where I'm at. And we're in this position. So, did you get a lot of positive support when you did that post?
1: Did yes, you get a backlash. Um, a, a little bit of backlash, but not anywhere near as much positive. Like my, this is so not important, and I I don't care about the numbers. But my follower count on Instagram went up like five hundred people. Wow, that's a lot. That was kind of amazing. And then just I started a little account on TikTok because I wanted to talk about it, and and that has also just been kind of incredible. So yeah, like a, I have lost a few relationships, um, some strained relationships in my family. Um, so, I mean, those are extremely difficult, so hard, but way more positive and way more mm. like, like true friends have come out of the woodwork now.
0: So to me, it's been incredibly worth it. it sounds like it's more authentic, right? Yes. With Those relationships that are coming out. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, So as you were going through this faith transition and you had been out for a little while, what was your relationship like with God? Did it Um, die? Was it ever really there? What's, yeah.
1: That's a really great question. I, I have struggled with that so much. I mean, right now I'm kind of settled on being a very happy agnostic. I have no idea like whatsoever. And I'm okay with that. I'm not in any rush because I don't, I honestly, truly, one of the biggest issues for me when I was trying to be Mormon was I didn't have spiritual experiences. I'm using air quotes. Like, you know, everyone around me would say things like, Oh, I feel the spirit so strong. And Oh God, God told me in this prayer that I need to do this. And I had never had that ever. Mm -hmm. And I always shamed myself. I thought it was me. I thought there was something wrong with me. I was like, okay, I'm just not faithful enough. I'm not reading my scriptures enough. I'm not going to the temple enough. I'm, I sometimes have these, um, feministic, very, salty thoughts about like life. And I, I've always been a little bit of a, um, I don't know, a little bit of a rebel, I guess. (laughs) And I think for myself and, and so I would shame myself and say, well, if you just were more faithful and if you did all the doubting your doubts stuff, then Mm -hmm. you would feel these spiritual experiences. And I would even ask people in the church, you know, like, why don't I get to feel it? Church leaders, I would say, why don't I get to feel it? And they would say things like, well, um, you do need to make sure that you're pure enough. And I'm so adding to the shame. Yeah, exactly. So that part is just really hard. And so I truly just feel like I never really had a relationship with a God, like a white guy on a throne. I just never had that. Um, but I love the idea of a God, like, you know, not necessarily like a man in the sky, but like that there was a creator and that there's a purpose to all this pain. And like, I I am such a nature nerd. And I look at, you know, the process of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. I know it's so cheesy, but like that, or like a rainbow or, you know, things like that. And, and I just think how beautiful would it be if there was a God that, that was creating all these really beautiful things. Cause I, I just think this world is fascinating and so beautiful and it would be nice if there was someone that, that, created it like a, like a masterpiece, like a painting, you know, Mm -hmm. but so I'm kind of holding on to that hope, but I have no evidence of it.
0: Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I know that that's always such a little sensitive topic when it comes to God, especially with leaving religion. Do you find yourself since it's, I love that you're just now like newer in being out of the closet of (laughs) I'm out, I'm done with this. Um, do you find a desire to a lot of people that actually step out, step out, miss the community, miss singing, miss church. Do you find yourself in that of like, maybe I'll go explore some different types of religions or no, not for me. I feel like organized
1: religion is not my place. Um, I'm actually getting into planning events for, um, post-Mormons. We just did a women's retreat this last weekend with ninety women and it was incredible. And I, I really love teenagers as a therapist. I, I mostly just worked with teenagers. Um, and so we're planning like some for, for anyone who, who is Mormon or, or has left Mormonism, they'll, they'll recognize there was this camp called EFY, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: especially for youth. So I started a little camp called especially for truth. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Thank you. And we did a camp in, up in bear Lake, um, at the end of August. And it was so incredible. So we're going to try to do that again next summer. So I'm kind of getting into this space of creating my own community because I, I don't want to go back to an organized religion. That's just, Oh,
0: I I think that's beautiful. And the reason why I started this, one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because people do, they like, where do I go? I have nowhere to go and need some sort of a community. And even though this isn't like a connection in person, which is really, really important, it's somewhere for people to somewhat have a safe place of, Hey, this person, is going through something that I'm going through and this is what they're learning. So I love that you're creating this. So that's specifically for youth? Uh-huh,
1: yeah. So, so that, what are the age ranges? I, I, we did 12 to 18 and I feel like it worked really well. So we're trying to just teach very universal concepts, very ethically sound, evidence-based concepts, not telling anyone what to think, just encouraging them how to think. So we're talking about critical thinking, empathy, how to show respect for people who still believe while also being able to, to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um it was so positive and the kids were so respectful because right off the bat, I said, you guys, we don't know where everyone is in this room. There's going to be a lot of people all over the spectrum. People who yeah. who are still on the fence, still trying to decide all the way to people who've been out for a long time. So we're going to be respectful of everyone. And the kids were amazing with that. Mm. So I just wanted to create kind of a safe space. We had a lot of rainbow kids and yeah. had never, they'd never been able to really live their truth um, in a safe place. So yeah, I'm, I'm into that creating the community um, that I want to be a part of. So it's a little selfish and also hopefully providing a space for other people who, who have felt so alone, just, just yeah. like I did. That's the goal.
0: Oh, I love that. And I think it's funny. Selfish, I think is something that we had as a, as growing up. Religious is this negative thing. But the reality is, is everything we do in life is selfish. It's serving some sort of a purpose, even service makes us feel better about ourselves. Even, you know, it's like, it's so, it's so funny. I'm like, I don't think it's selfish at all. Look at all the beauty that you're doing and touching these lives with. There's something more out there. And in, again, in my experience, one of the things that I'm finding so fascinating, I think it's such a beautiful thing is. God, when people do find God, it's not out here. It all of a sudden comes here within it's like a part of who they are and really is connecting them to their authentic selves. And if we can do that with our children and start teaching our children to trust their intuition and these gifts and this innate ability. And Hey, I don't know what an empath is, but I'm feeling everything. And now I have all this anxiety and I don't know what to do with it. Mm. Like goodness sakes. I think I love that you're doing it. In fact, sidebar, if you ever need a shaman to come in and do any kind of energy stuff, I'm your girl. I actually wanted to talk to you about that.
1: Like for real.
0: Yes. I did a, um, a sound bath for, this is another group that was started, um, for children who've lost a parent. Mm. And just this last summer I went, it's camp Koa oh, okay. and, and they're all sorts of different religions, belief systems. And I went in and did a sound bath for them and talked about energy. Oh my gosh, these kids ate it up. Like our ki- the our kids are just craving to know this innate part of them
1: mm-hmm. that
0: nobody talks about because their parents don't have the tools.
1: hmm I love that. Yeah. I'd really like to be friends for like a long time because I would involve you in so many things. I'm excited to talk to you about it. I know. Well, I just want to be friends period. Cause I
0: went on your social media. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just like her. She's one of my people. So I love that we're connecting. So how did you get into, so you leave religion, you've been in this process for quite a while, but you, when I was, when I was talking to you on social media, you <laughs> say you're passionate about empowering the youth, correct? And now yeah. you just talked about that. What kind of transpired? What was that all about? What's that? Yeah. Just getting
1: into like therapy and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. so I, I was a singer. I grew up as like a singer. I was trying to, you know, be like Britney Spears for Ooh. a while and then discovered that I'd wanted nothing to do with that life. That was terrible. I signed a record deal and moved to Florida and it was like mm-hmm. horrific. Like it was horrible. And I decided, okay, I don't want to be someone's puppet. And I, I, I'm such a pleaser. Like I just love people that it would be really easy for other people to control me in that kind of space. So I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. I want nothing to do with that, but I do love to sing. And so I tried to figure out ways to use my voice. So when I came back to Utah, after that experience, I started singing LDS music, and mm. I did uh, three LDS CDs. I won awards for it. I I did over a 100- hundred. Um, Mormon events to like go sing and like they're called firesides and they yeah. have growth camps and youth conferences and I I went all over the place like Kentucky and Washington D C and Maine and Texas like so I was like actually really doing it. You were and, almost a Mormon celebrity then. <laughs> well, like I mean we have the tiniest little Mormon music industry, but yeah, and like I, I tried to I tried to put myself out there and use my voice. I and I was doing it out of faith. Like I really was. Trying trying to be faithful. I I held on like a lifeline to this phrase. A testimony is found by the bearing of it. Oh, interesting. That was like my lifeline. And I thought, okay, if I just say that I believe it, if I just say that it's beautiful and I, and I say all the things that everyone else is saying, then I'll Mm -hmm. earn a testimony. Mm -hmm. And now I look at that and I'm like, oh my God, like what a manipulative, horrible phrase to teach someone. You're
0: basically saying lie, just lie. it's you know that phrase fake it until you make it? Yes. That's yeah, what that yeah. reminds me of, yeah, which yeah. is so disingenuous and not authentic or true to yourself at all. 100%. So it and it really held me captive
1: because I I was being so faithful, I was absolutely acting in faith, holding on to that little promise. I thought it was like this promise, you know, that if I that if I did all the things that I would earn this testimony. So you're so right. It was so disingenuous and just it, that's such a a manipulative thing to tell a child, you know, anyway, but I tried really hard and I, I was acting out of faith. I was doing my very best to be as sincere as possible, to be as loving as possible and just really put in so much effort to trying to, you know, just I I was singing and then I was also like kind of telling some stories and, and I was really getting into psychology by this point. So I was trying to teach some things that I thought could be helpful and relevant for people. So I know in my heart of hearts, I, I gave it my best. I tried so hard Um, and it never worked. It just never worked. And, and then of course, as I went along, there were just always these little things. I mean, my, my transition out of Mormonism could be described as a death by a thousand paper cuts like all these little tiny things. And I was like, Oh, something's off about that. Oh, that's not resonating. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's all the things that I, I imagine happen in every high demand religion, sexism, racism, homophobia. Um, And then we have a very, very troubled history in Mormonism. Our founder was in my opinion was an absolute pedophile and a predator Um, and a narcissist. So, I mean, you get into the history and you, you can see it pretty clearly. And so all of those things just were not resonating with me at all. And so it just slowly died. And then I finally told my husband, he shamed me. That was very difficult. And I realized, wow, like I'm part of a system that my own husband would feel justified Mm -hmm. in shunning his wife and destroying his family. Really? Yeah. So I, when I decided to end my marriage to actually Finally, stand up for myself. Um, I decided it's
0: going to be time to leave the church too. And then the youth piece—where did that come in in all of this? Where you? If, no, you're totally fine. I love. I love that you just shared all that. I think it's a beautiful part of your story, and I'm really grateful that you did. But yeah, the youth piece through that. I. I mean, I can see threads, right? If, especially if at 10 years old you were experiencing watching your mom go through this, and then you went through something similar. With your husband now shaming you, who should be the one that's holding you tighter? Of I love you, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm curious where the the desire to really be an advocate for children,
1: yeah, for the youth. Yeah. Sorry, I totally took a detour. Yeah, so it. I, I love detours. They're <laughs> all great. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as I was doing like all those girls camps and youth conferences and firesides, it was mostly for the youth. And then my calling inside of Mormonism, everyone kind of has a job like you're assigned a a certain job, call them callings. And I was always with the young women and I just loved teenagers so much. And I struggled so much as a teenager. You know, my parents got that divorce. Um, I struggled with an eating disorder. I got suspended from school a few times. Like I was, I was just kind of a hot mess as a teen myself. And so I I just had a lot of empathy for how hard that season of life is. And then I started really getting into psychology and studying human development. And the, the T the adolescent years are very, very difficult physically, biologically, Mm -hmm. Right. um and so i i guess i and i just resonate with their energy and because i'm a little spazzy i don't know if you can tell like i i just love the energy of teenagers the hope that they have and and how they see the world they're they're still yeah. open they're still pliable and i i love i just love being around them i love learning from them and so the, i just kind of made that my my work um and so I was doing a lot of singing, um, but really got burnt out in the LDS world. So then I took a detour into motivational speaking in general, um, just for high schools, junior highs, leadership conferences all over the country. So I've been doing that for about 17 years and, mm. and I just enjoy it so much and it has nothing to do with Mormonism. It's just very, you know, general Uh, populations. And I, I, I just really love it and I'm good at it. And then I, I also started my own nonprofit for teenage girls called Ivy girl Academy that I ran for 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. we did six day summer camps, workshops. We did a leadership pageant. Um, I took two groups of teenagers to Africa for humanitarian Mm -hmm. work, um, and just loved it. I loved it so much. And then last year I, my son was getting older and I was like, we need something for the boys. So I shifted my nonprofit to include, Boys, so we did two six-day summer camps this last summer.
0: Oh, that is so amazing! I love that you do that. I love that you're out there. Make I mean that you're making an impact. Thank you. And that is stunning. So I just thank you for doing what you're doing. And you are a therapist, correct? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I worked in a residential treatment center for teenage boys. Um, Loved it so much. They're good boys. They just really like weed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. You know, I was. I'm going to touch a little bit on what you had, you said, you you know, do we want to go there? I think what I've been hearing more and more, especially within the religion is that the boys, the men are struggling more with their sexuality than the women and finding a place in Mormonism within that. And in fact, I was uh, talking to my doctor the other day who I didn't know he's a BYU Mormon bishop, a bishop. And he was chatting a little bit about, um, that because he's doing a little bit more research of what's out there you know what can i how can i help people and so he's been listening to anti-mormon type things of what are people saying about the religion and so we had an interesting conversation around that and i'm actually going to have someone on the podcast that um has a very strong story around that mormonism and and being gay so i'm excited for that but what is your experience because that's that's up in our world, especially in Utah right now. It's a pretty big piece. Oh, a thousand percent. I,
1: my heart just breaks for the boys. Like the girls struggle for sure, but we've got a lot of like girl empowerment movements going on. We don't have that much for the boys. They need it just as much. And think about it. I would argue that the boys feel more pressure from society to fit into a certain box than girls do. 100% you can't cry. You can't heaven forbid, feel any emotion except anger or, or like, just like, I don't know, being happy. Like if you even feel an emotion, you're Mm shamed. So the boys just feel that pressure so much. And then of course, sexuality, because masculinity is wrapped up in all that. So it's this, this toxic masculinity that, that our sweet boys are facing and they, they need us to call it out. They, they especially, I think need, um, I know this is probably going to sound weird, but go with me on this for a second. Like, I feel like they need, um, women to be able to talk about it. Uh, Definitely grown men as well to say toxic masculinity is so wrong, but for women to be able to say like, come on, like, this is so unacceptable and, you know, and understanding the psychology behind it, Mm -hmm. trying to put people into a box. If you step even a toe outside of that box, you the shame exists. That's just mm-hmm. how it goes in inside of religion, inside of, um, masculine, feminine roles. Um, I would say, I would say really any role, um, husband, wife, right? Like we all have these kind of boxes that were, that were put into anyway. So yeah, that was one of the things that I loved about working at the residential treatment center. Um, mm-hmm. the boys needed me to be able to provide a safe space for them to finally just be honest and drop those walls. Mm-hmm. And with other men, it can be harder for them to open up about it. But yeah, they need our support so they can live own their sexuality because sexuality is so beautiful and healthy and natural and good. Right. And it's
0: not something that's wrong with them, even though it's, yeah, this, I mean, I know I'm watching the times so that I can be considerate of time, but, um, I agree with you as far as the women having a voice, because part of it, if you do any research with um, Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and in my opinion, Mary Magdalene was very much a healer and right next to Jesus when he went through everything. In fact, he could not do the things that he did if Mary wasn't there with him. I believe Mary was his companion. I like it. Also, I also believe a lot of other things that I won't get into because it'll trigger people <laughs> if you're just starting to leave. But yeah. Um, there, there's no question that the one couldn't exist without the other. I mean, there is that companionship piece, but as far as the divine feminine, divine masculine supporting each other and what that looks like, Mm-hmm. um it's, it's very much needed and and not from the ways of which society has deemed it appropriate I mean that's there's no question that that's changing and years ago I could see coming in this whole rise of divine feminine, the whole rise of all these other things I remember saying to a friend of mine, you watch the white male will be displaced and will not have a space mm-hmm. and that's what's happening you know yes. and so that's where we get to step in then and try to do what we can do and do our part right?
1: Yes. Oh, so well said. Yep. I agree.
0: What would you offer to anyone as far as things that were helpful for you when you were transitioning out, when you were making those choices? I mean, you really lived with that painful choice of who you were for quite a while that had to feel really incongruent with who you were.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was suffocating. Like, I truly, there were just so many nights I'd cry myself to sleep and just feel so alone and so isolated. Um, so, my biggest piece of advice is enjoy. The amazing season that we're in right now, because when my mom left, she had nothing and no one. And right now, there is so much support. We have the coolest community on TikTok. We have Facebook groups. We have all these incredible podcasts. Like, you are not alone. So many people, I would argue, like thousands of people, are waking up about how toxic Mormonism is and they're honoring their truth. And I, I would absolutely go out on a limb and say a lot of people have been feeling the exact same way I have felt for so long, but we just feel like we can't be honest about it. But a lot of people are waking up and getting out and being free and actually finding real happiness. That's the other thing I do want to say, like I truly, truly believed that you couldn't be happy outside of Mormonism because we're actually taught that in church. It's the only path to happiness. The only one. It's the only truth and it's the only happiness. So if you don't believe it, and I had people very close to me, say that to me, if you don't believe it, you're wrong. So there was a lot of, a lot of gaslighting. So we internalized those messages and I truly thought I couldn't be happy, but I knew I was suffocating. So I was like, okay, well, I'd rather be sad and free (laughs) than, um, (laughs) you know, feel this isolating, invisible, suffocating feeling. And now I've discovered, oh my God, I get to be free and I get to be happy. Double. Mm freaking whammy. No
0: kidding. Oh man. Is there any other little piece of of advice or anything else you feel like you'd want to share to everyone listening?
1: Um, let's see. Another toxic belief I had was that I, I would be punished. I honestly Mm -hmm. thought like I'd be struck by lightning or, you know, financially devastated or, you know, people wouldn't want to hire me as a therapist or whatever. Like I just thought I'd be if I left and that's not true. I've been so abundantly blessed. Mm -hmm. Because you're listening to your
0: heart. Yeah. And listening to who you really are. Because there is a thing that when you're incongruent inside with what your beliefs are and who you are, the outer world will reflect that. So when we step into, and you know this, when we step into who we really are, then the outer world also reflects that. And I think it's such a stunning, what a gift that we get to experience that in our lives, just that gets, you know, it reflects back to us where we're at and what we're choosing.
1: I love that. We have to, I I'm so convinced it's, it really is like, now I feel like that is where spirituality is, whatever, what your truth is, and then living that truth. That's the spiritual connection that I think Hundred I blocked myself from because I was never living congruently. And I just yeah. didn't realize it. I was trying yeah. so hard to do Mormonism and do what they told me to do. And it didn't work. It just didn't work.
0: Well, and I feel like I've recently really come to the recognition that Really, We go from religion that is kind of more of a we mentality to uh, I'm choosing me and whatever that looks like for the individual self of what spirituality and what that connection gets to be for me. Mm-hmm. And that's where that strong empowerment comes in, our sovereignty piece, all those things that are really ultimately, I believe that's why we're here is to really see the magnificence of who we are, that that all that we're capable of. And that really comes back to the self. You know, and as we come back to self, we actually empower others, like everything that you're doing with these children, because you're coming more in alignment with yourself then you're able to really reach your arms even that much wider. So I think that's stunning. Mm -hmm. Can you, I, again, I'm trying to be aware of timing. Um, how's the relationship with your family since you left?
1: Um, my mom and I are closer than ever. So that's kind of amazing. Now she doesn't feel so alone. I don't feel so alone. We can talk about it. And it took us years to get to this point. So I'm so grateful to have her in my life. Um, my dad, he's trying so hard and I, I really want to validate that he's trying really hard to be loving, but he's definitely a victim of the culture and, and it is very popular and acceptable to shame people. So he has made quite a few comments that have been very hurtful. Um, and he always says, Oh, I love you no matter what I love you, no matter what. And I believe him in, and in his heart, I know that he means that, but it's almost like it's, I, this is a terrible, um, example, but for lack of a better one, I can think about of the top of my head. It's kind of like, um, if someone's homophobic and they say, Oh, I love you anyway. I love you anyway. It's almost like, yeah, that's great. Like, that's a nice idea to love me, but I still know what you believe. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that you believe that I'm a bad person or that I don't deserve love and happiness, you know, because I'm not living this this church. And so, you know, when, when people who are in Mormonism, they, they really try to say that. And I think for them, it's, it's truly real. Mm. They mean it, but they don't realize that it's still very, it's still very hurtful, you know, because we, you yeah. we just still know what, what they believe. Um, anyway, so, I mean, that's really difficult. I have two brothers that I'm so close to, and they have been so supportive and so wonderful. I did an interview on Mormon stories podcast and my younger brother actually listened to it and I was really surprised and he was so sweet about it and very supportive and, um, just kind, just truly Mm -hmm. kind. And there was no effort to correct me or to, um, demean anything I said. He, he just said, I I really appreciated what you shared and just Mm -hmm. honored my story. It was such a beautiful response. So I appreciate it. Um, my own children, my, my son wants nothing to do with the church. But my daughter is still trying to decide, and I'm trying to be really respectful of her journey. Um, but, but I, like I mentioned, I I have known ten kids myself because I've I've given motivational speeches all over the country for over like a million kids, and because I've been doing it for so long, and so I've just come in contact with so many kids, and so I've known ten myself personally. Looked them in the eye, hugged them who've killed themselves, and they've left notes saying, "I." I know that I'll never be accepted by my family or my community because I'm Mormon and I'm gay. I've known them. And the last one was only a few months ago. It was this beautiful girl named Katie in Pennsylvania. And um, I had gone to her school last year and we just kind of DM'd on Instagram. So it's not like we were close, but I I took a picture with her and I hugged her and I had at least a minute with her in person and she shot herself in the head. And that's usually like a method that boys will use, but this girl wanted to die so badly that she shot herself in the head. And in her note, specifically, it said, I'm Mormon and I'm gay. Mm. And that's why I feel like there's no other way out. So to me, if I don't do this, if I don't talk about this, I will fail that beautiful girl. And I, I won't ever be able to live with myself. So after that happened, I went to my daughter and I said, I want to be so respectful of your journey but I'm going to ask you to do something hard and support me in talking about this stuff and trying my best to do anything I can, I can possibly think of to try to prevent that from happening again. Yeah. And my amazing daughter was like, yep, go for it.
0: Mm. So that
1: kind of set me free.
0: Oh, that's so good. And Oh, my heart. Like I just, those stories are really painful and I know it happens more, more than we're given privy to. Cause that's usually kind of a, unless you know them intimately or you have, it's not something that it's not put in the obituaries of what their suicide note said, you know? Exactly. So, uh, was well, there anything else you'd like to probably time to wrap up? Is there anything else you'd like to share?
1: Um, I just want to say, thanks. I, I love the work that you're doing. I just feel like the more we talk about these things, the more we normalize it, the more we bring things to light you know, um, shedding light on fear and shame is the quickest way to kill it. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. love the work that you're doing. I think you're just amazing. I'd love to be friends. And I know, let's be friends. Yes. <laughs> and I think we could do some great things because so many people are hurting, just so many people. And, you know, there's this w- weird phrase in, um, in Mormonism that if, if someone leaves, you say, and you still are Mormon, you, you can tell them it's like a popular thing to say, you say, Oh, they can leave the religion, but they can't leave. Or like someone can leave the religion, but they can't leave it alone. And in my mind, I'm like, no, it's exactly opposite of that. Like we're all trying to leave it alone. We're trying to move forward. And it, it kind of haunts us a little bit. So we have to process the trauma. It is absolutely qualifies as trauma. And we, by talking about it, um, you know, it just kind of follows us. So we have to, we have to talk about it. And the more we do that, I, I believe the better a lot of people will be, because we might inspire someone else to be brave and to mm-hmm. honor their truth and, you know, do what, what they need to do for them. And if people want to stay in, that's fantastic. If that's your truth, yeah. that's beautiful. If you fit in the box, Mormonism works great. But if mm-hmm. you don't fit in the box, I would argue not if you're, much. if you are not white and you're a woman and you are, uh, you're gay or part of the LGBT community, um, if you don't fit in the box or you don't believe, if you're not a true blue
0: believer, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work for you. Yeah, I agreed. Well, thank you. And thank you for everything that you're doing. I think it's beautiful. And I will add this one thing because you had brought that up with, with the not leaving it alone. The reality is, is the programming that goes in the energetic binding that happens. Cause since I am a shaman, I deal in the energetic realms all the time and the energetic connections that are forged, make it challenging for people to disconnect until they have all the tools of how to actually really energetically and mentally disconnect. So it does take some time and everybody's process looks a little bit different. Mm, so that's so much. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. <laughs> I would love to do like,
1: I, well, I, we just need to go to lunch so that I can yeah. learn from you. I want to everything. Have you written a book yet? Cause I, I, I want to buy the book.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I did write a book, but it was about love and relationships. I've been married a few times and had some toxic, but I burned it. That's a whole other, <laughs> you and I, well, we'll get, we need to get to know each other, but
1: okay. I'd love it. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much for your time today, Jesse. I really appreciate it.
1: You too, Amanda. I really appreciate the work you're doing.
0: Ditto. Thank you again for joining us. Wasn't the interview with Jessie just amazing? She truly is a beautiful human being, and I'm grateful for all the work that she is doing in this world to assist all of us, really. Again, to find her and more information about her, you can go to especiallyfortruth.com and I will list that in the show notes. And then a reminder, go get signed up for my Lady Religion course as well as the retreat. If you're feeling called to either one, you'll get a discount on the retreat. Have such a beautiful day and remember, you are not alone.